What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Cool Colas here, and you are now tuning into a new episode of the Pro Black Blurred Kingdom Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be going a little bit off the cuff again. I want to just kind of give my raw thoughts on this particular topic. I want to talk to you all a little bit about the Black Adam movie. I want to give a review, and I want to answer the question. Was this the best comic movie of 2022 thus far? So, let me start by telling you all what my movie theater experience was like. Then I can kind of go into some of the other stuff and then some of my um, thoughts on some other things pertaining to this topic. So, first of all, I just want to say that You know, I want to talk a little bit about how I've been feeling, you know, just about DC movies in general. See, most of you all know at this point that Marvel, as far as comics go, is like the king of the movie scene. The MCU is just, uh, it's been a masterpiece overall. Now, obviously in this phase four, it's been dying off a little bit. And that's just because they're still at this point just trying to make some money. And they're kind of going off of the fumes of phase three and before and they're trying to you know continue this thing going but um basically what i'm trying to get is that marvel has been the king of comic movies and dc really hasn't done as well in that department if you think about it dc's movies have been rather average or mediocre for the most part there's been some that stand out but for the most part they have been not as good as Marvel, if we're being totally honest here. I mean, think about it. Between movies like The Suicide Squad, although I like The Suicide Squad, I recognize that it was a highly flawed movie. Um, you know, between that and Batman vs. Superman, which was horrible, Wonder Woman 94 or 84, which also was pretty horrible as well, too, and uh, movies like that, though it's not really looking too good for. DC. Matter of fact, some of their top tier movies, I would even say, might even be considered mid tier if you compare them to like Marvel movies. Like if you were to just shuffle them all into just this general title of comic movie, a lot of the high tier ones would be not one of like the top five, even if you consider that and Marvel from my perspective. I mean, you got some good ones, like I said, because you got The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises was decent. You got Joker. You got Wonder Woman, which I think might be top tier the top the maybe like top two or three and then you got um shazam that wasn't bad either and movies like that so dc in other words all i'm trying to say is that if you look at their repertoire movies not only do they not have as many from my perspective in like their universe they also don't have nearly as good movies as marvel does overall so my feelings on dc and their movies has been kind of low just because i feel like they haven't been performing very well in that department as it would be compared to like a marvel with that said i gotta tell you all how i was feeling going into this theater as i was going to go see black adam now to be totally honest, just beside everything I just said about Marvel and DC, the one thing that I need to point out here is that comic movies, comic shows, really TV anything, TV and movie anything is just filled with a lot of 
random agendas, random tropes, and things that are just hitting, hitting into the movies message-wise that are just beyond us being able to enjoy seeing a type, seeing a flick. And I think that the idea of that has been kind of frustrating for me because I'm always in this mindset of being a storyteller and I want to be able to watch something and relax and be able to unwind just for a little bit. Most people do. But I feel like it's difficult now because most of the time when I see a TV show or a movie, even if it's not even comic related, I guess at this point, there's some type of trope or agenda in that. And I find that to be kind of frustrating because it automatically makes my storytelling radar just go off. So I say that to say that I will put DC, I don't think DC or Marvel, either one of them is excluded from that being a possibility because they all include tropes and all these other issues that I think that can be frustrating for somebody who really just wants to enjoy a good movie. So I say all that to say I haven't really been all that excited for a lot of the movies that have come out overall because I know that this is a thing and it's hard and at this point it's really difficult to turn that switch off although I'm good at discernment I'm I'm able I, I, I I'm seeing more of like the issues than I am just being able to enjoy the story I guess is what I'm getting at so with all that said I would say that I going into this theater there weren't very many movies that I was super excited about but what I will say for Black Adam is I actually was a little excited for that and the reason why is I had a feeling that the way that they may write it may be kind of legit I don't I don't know I just had a good feeling I didn't really have like a good rationale you know as to why I felt like this movie would be different or why I felt like this movie was going to in my eyes was going to be a good one but from my perspective I just felt like I, I just had this feeling that it was just going to be a, a like overall like decent movie like it was going to be well done maybe even a revamp to a certain extent I just had that feeling so as far as going to the movie theater I went on a Sunday and I went with my wife actually and the two of us wanted to go after I think we had something going on that day. I can't remember what it was I want to say that we were um coming from uh i don't know if it was that we were coming from um out of town or what we were doing but we were we were we had gone somewhere basically oh i remember i remember what it was my my wife had came um from 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 her like church service and i um was going with her you know to uh to the movies like after she had gotten back because i was taking care of some stuff and so again we went on that sunday and when we got there, I mean, it was pretty empty. And that's how I like it. I don't like when there's a lot of people in my movie theater. I don't like when you have your badass kids and all this other stuff. And mind you, I, I don't I don't mind kids or anything like that. I just think that when you're in a movie theater, it's very difficult for you to be able to have them sit still and to be able to, you know, um, still try to carry on and enjoy yourself while you're there. You know, you're listening to uh, the the movie or whatever. So, the point I'm trying to make though is that like there weren't a lot of people in there, and I was very happy with that. I like the tranquility. I like the idea that you know it it felt like it didn't feel stuffy. So, my experience going in was already positive because I don't like a lot of people. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't really like a lot of people in certain settings in general because it's just a lot of energies and a lot of stuff around me. But at the same time, I just uh, really prefer it to be kind of quiet so I can really like enjoy, you know, the movie that I'm watching. 
So I get in there, we sit down, movie starts, and um, one one thing I, I got to say before I go forward though is uh, at, and during my movie theater experience, you know, I was kind of mad at first because when the movie first started, they had the characters in the movie speaking a different language, and then the words were getting cut off, and I'm I'm sitting there like. Can y'all, like, make the shit bigger? Like, if we go pay to watch this movie, y'all can make it bigger so we can read what it's saying because we obviously can't understand them because they were speaking in a different language because these were, like, um, Kondok uh, descendants, basically. And they were speaking in some type of language that would have been, I guess, somewhat similar to, like, what Egyptian people would have spoken. And I couldn't understand them, and they had the caption at the bottom, and the caption was getting cut off. That was frustrating. And so I was sitting there squinting to try to see what it said. And I'm like, if y'all don't make this shit bigger, like, <laughs> we say here paid this money, y'all better make that bigger. So, anyway, let me tell you all about the movie first, and then we'll get into pros, and we'll get into cons, and then we'll try to answer that question that I stated at the very beginning that I wanted to try to answer. So, at this point, I just want to say, if you have not seen the Shazam, I'm going to say Shazam, if you have not seen the Black Adam movie at this point, this is not the podcast for you, turn it off, go watch it, and then come back and listen to this, because this is going to have all the spoilers, I'm going to spoil the entire damn movie. So, in the very beginning of the movie, they showed these slaves that were in Kondok, and and I, I think they were slaves or they were just workers. I, I'm not really sure like what, what the d- true depiction was there. I would say slave though, almost from like the way it, it kind of looked. You had these like slave workers, whatever they were, who were looking for this artifact. And the artifact was this crown. And so I guess the idea there was that whoever was to get this crown was to be granted um, a special, something special from the the king, I guess, was kind of like the idea there. And there was supposed to be power within like the crown. I think that's the reason why everybody was searching for it. Everybody was trying to find it. Everybody was trying to get it. So at some point, this person found the, um, the, 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 the crown and then they basically were thrown off the top of this uh, big ass uh, like structure that they were on uh, by one of the, the I guess I don't know if this was like one of the king's people or this was like somebody who I guess was supposed to be uh, like a servant like a higher level servant of the king, but he threw the person off the building and took that crown I guess, and so there was a boy who was there who was amongst those people like the slave worker type people and he he scooped up the crown basically and tried to you know uh, take it since he saw what happened when um, that person got thrown off of the top of that building or the top of that structure and so there was a big scene where they kind of went into this like backstory about how you know there were some issues with the king wanting to find the the boy who had done this and for him to get punished and all this other stuff and they talked about how the boy disappeared and you know it was kind of going into that little backstory so it kind of started off with that just showing the history of what happened in Kondok at some point it went into this thing where they talked about how um 
what conduct had turned into. So they talked about how you know there were um, these people who were supposed to be kind of terrorizing conduct and trying to like take control of it. So it kind of had that type of um, almost uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, that this like. The almost like terroristic type of thing like that, that was going on and so they had a scene where there was this car of people and um, it was a woman um, then there was two men one of them and the woman's name was Isis and then there was two men one of the men was her brother and the other man was this guy named Ishmael and so they were trying to go across this border because they were trying to go to this, I guess, temple where they thought they would be able to revive the champion of Kondok from back in the day, which ends up being Black Adam. So I guess what ended up happening was there was this kid that was there and he was trying to distract one of those guards who is gatekeeping, I guess, the the Kondok or whatever. And, um, you know, he ends up uh, making it, he ends up getting distracted so much that he ends up kind of like letting them through because he's just all thrown off and all this other stuff. So eventually, like they go through this border or this this border that's being gatekept by uh, these different people um, that I guess is supposed to symbolize some type of. I don't know if it's supposed to be a U.S. military or like some type of like military force that, again, is trying to um, colonize modern day conduct. So they go past this border and they finally get to this temple. Now, while they're there, I think there was another. Actually, I, I take that back. There was another person who was with them as well, too, I believe. And so while they were there, they ended up getting to this temple and. The brother ends up staying in the car because he says, I have a bad knee. I ain't trying to mess with all that. And then um, the 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 other two dudes in ISIS, so Ishmael, ISIS, and the other dude, they end up going into the, the temple, basically. And what ends up happening is, is that, like, they it, it kind of they kind of give this image that they're either getting caught or picked off one by one. Because the first dude, I can't remember his name, he ends up getting uh, killed, basically. And then um, there was uh, the Ishmael dude in ISIS. The two of them were actually in the temple at this point. And while they were in the temple, the other dude, he ended up getting like held up. Like they ended up basically this little military force that, you know, I was talking about. They ended up basically um, holding him up because they found they found out what he was trying to do what him and his friends were trying to do. And so at some point, um, they end up finding the crown and these little military forces, they ended up like rushing in and they ended up trying to go into the temple to try to find Isis and Ishmael. And so they were kind of like these. Um, so, so it was like a whole squad of them. Basically, they were like a, they were like, I, I would say they were like mercenaries even now, now I'm thinking about because I keep calling them military, but they're like, they were like more like mercenaries that were a part of this squad. And so um, these mercenaries basically go into this uh, this temple and they find um, Isis and Ishmael at the point where they actually have gotten this that uh, they have been able to get the crown and and whatnot. So at some point they capture Ishmael and they try to um, hem him up. And then they also show that they had, you know, their uh, her brother, Isis's brother. And at some point she tries to flee 
and then this big old thing happens where Black and Black Adam ends up appearing as all this stuff is going on, and he comes to kind of to some extent to the rescue of Isis and the um, the the, uh, the brother to a certain extent. But while all this is going on, the temple is collapsing, and it appears that the rocks have collapsed down on um, this Ishmael guy and all this other stuff, and they try to get out while they can. So it, at this point, it seems like it's going to be Isis and her brother who are trying to escape after they watch all these mercenaries get their asses whooped by Black Adam. Because, I mean, Black Adam was straight giving these mercenaries the damn hands this whole damn time. And so, what ends up happening is they end up getting away and driving away and whatnot and they have the crown in their possession. So then that's when we find out that Ishmael who was initially looked like he was with them, was actually like co-opting or working against them with this group of mercenaries in the squad that he had created and basically saying like he you know he knows their location and you know where to find them and all this other stuff so it turns into this scene where these mercenaries are just gunning for black adam but i mean this dude is unstoppable i mean he's just whooping ass they're trying to shoot him with bullets they're trying to shoot him with rockets they're trying to shoot him with all types of shit and ain't nothing working it's just it's just totally not working with dude so at some point you know he ends up basically defeating them destroying them and he kind of leaves isis and them be and he kind of takes off now, at a certain point, it kind of goes to the scene where Isis is able to get back to her home where that kid was. And we find out that she's the mom to the kid who had the skateboard and all this other stuff. So it goes to that that uh, part at some point. And so when, it, when, they, um, when he opens the door to his room, that kid finds out that Black Adam is there and Black Adam. Um, he, he's like kind of flabbergasted because he's like, oh, man, I know you. You're the, the champion of of uh, of Kondok. And so, you know, Black Adam's looking around and he's like, basically, I, I'm not really supposed to be here for real, but I don't I don't know why exactly I'm here and saying all this other stuff. And so then he's like walking through walls and shit, basically trying to figure out where the hell he's at. And, um, you know, just, just fucking up the crib and all this other stuff. And then, um, he basically was talk talks about how he needs to be able to, um, figure out like, you know, um, why he's here. And so, you know, the boy is basically trying to convince black Adam, basically, you know, like you're here because, you know, you're, you, you've come here to save conduct again. We've been colonized and we've been like, you know, treated like trash because of the fact that, uh, you know, we got like these mercenaries and these uh these basically these soldiers here who are trying to you know in so many words trying to te- uh, uh basically rule conduct and be like conducts i guess like pseudo leaders or whatever and so basically he's like well he said that that's what that's what y'all supposed to do go take care of them and then the boy and his mama isis are like you know they got guns they got all this other stuff so what can we really you know, do like that. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, Black Panther, uh, not Black Panther. I'm not calling him Black Panther. Black Adam ends up, uh, you know, kind of saying like, you know, they're kind of, you know, on their own with that. He did. He just needs to figure out, you know, what, you know, um, what's uh, what's up and why he's there, basically. And so 
at some point he sees the statue because of this big ass statue that's supposed to I guess resemble him or at least that was the belief that they were trying to create at some point so there was a little thing about that then at some point they cut to a scene and you know some of the things I'm saying too might be somewhat out of order but I'm, I'm kind of telling you the gist of what happened by the way I just wanted to say that so there's this one part where um like they end up showing and talking about the uh, the JSA. So you have um, Amanda Waller who was on this kind of um, computerized system that's inside of this ship uh, and she's talking to Hawkman and she's talking about how like the threat of Black Adam has been uh, who has uh, basically uh, uh, escaped and has basically uh, he's, he's killed people is what the, basically what she was saying in so many words and it's time to take him out so she told him to assemble his team and he said he was on it so he ends up recruiting um, Dr. Fate which Dr. Fate was almost somewhat like a mentor to a certain extent to him um, he ends up record, recruiting um, this woman named Cyclone and this other man named Adam Smasher <clears throat> And they end up forming this uh, superhero team in the Justice Society of America. And they're asked to neutralize Black Adam. So at some point they go to try to, you know, you know, take, basically try to take him out. Take a Black Panther. I keep calling this dude Black Panther. Trying to take Black Adam out. And so Black Adam ends up coming face to face with the Justice Society of America. And when he's when because they because they're told they have to go to conduct. So they, they go to conduct and they basically, you know, um, try to do their thing. Now, when I say that he whooped these motherfuckers asses, I mean he beat the hell out of these motherfuckers asses. I mean it was bad. Black Adam wiped the floor with all of them. It was bad. I mean, this dude was just whooping ass literally for a straight like five to ten minutes like i don't know how long it was but it was it was a long time i was just like dang so um basically after the um during the during the fight one thing that was kind of present was all the <coughs> excuse me all the kandaki people whatever you want to call them they were kind of like cheering black adam on because a lot of them kind of like the boy and then his mama saw black adam as this hero who had saved conduct so they just saw the Justice Society of America as just another group that was there to, um, you know, help the the people who were colonizing them, you know. And so from my perspective, it kind of turned into a thing where they were kind of rooting for Black Adam, despite the fact that he was, you know, this person who kept claiming not to be a hero. That was his main thing th throughout this this story was that he is not a hero. Right. So at some point they ended up losing and they're just like kind of accepted like, hey, we can't beat this dude. So why do we even keep trying? And so at some point, you know, they the ISIS ended up kind of doing this thing where she kind of uh, uh, correlated so that they would have a uh, uh, or court. I said correlated, coordinated so that they would have this talk so JSA and um, Black Adam have a talk after things had calmed down after he had kind of whooped the asses 
And so basically they were trying to kind of explain, you know, both their sides and both their positions. And Black Adam said he was open, you know, to, you know, having that talk or whatever. So they basically had a talk, but it just really didn't go the way that, um, you know, like, you know, they had hoped because, you know, the JSA, their, their thing was, hey, we just going to take, like, we're going to, we can either take you fighting or we can, you know, take you quietly. And it looks like you're not really going to, you know, come quietly with us, but we just need to just have an understanding, you know, as to why we even got to this point and what's going on. And so Black Adam basically is like, you know, I never claimed to be a hero. I never have been a hero, all this other stuff. And um, he was going to kind of just do his thing, you know, um, and, but, but he was there basically to, you know, help his people or whatever he basically was saying. And so at some point, um, the boy, I believe the boy ended up being in trouble and then, um, black Adam just took off to go, uh, help him at, to a certain extent, if I remember correctly. And the boy was in trouble because of the fact that, um, if I remember correctly, he, um, you know, they were trying to basically like take, uh, the, the, the crown, uh, from him, if I if I remember correctly, I think that's what happened at that point. Yeah, they were trying to take the crown from him because Ishmael and his people basically found their crib, and they were trying to hem the um the the uncle up, like the boy's uncle up, like the the dude I told you that was in the um in the car earlier, and he um say so had a, a fucked up knee. Like uh, they try to hem him up, and they and, and Ishmael end up shooting him. And the reason why this was a big shock was because at this point the boy thought that Ishmael was with them because Ishmael was supposed to be like a family friend to a certain extent. And that's when he found out that Ishmael was evil. Ishmael was after him, and he was basically, you know, run trying to run away from Ishmael because Ishmael was trying to take the crown. And so at some point, um, Black Adam had um, basically tried to um, have them like let the boy go. You know, so that ended up becoming, you know, a big storyline, like a big thing or whatever. And um, like uh, the boy was trying to run away, basically, because Ishmael, you know, tried to, you know, like basically just take the, the, the crown from him. And Black Adam was trying, like, I guess Black Adam was trying to save the boy because they thought that, he thought that the, the um, Ishmael and them were trying to, like, kill the boy in the process of getting the crown, which, I mean, it looked like they were willing to do that, basically, and he was trying to, you know, stop that, basically, from happening. And so, um, there was that scene. Um, then, it, at some point, what they end up finding out, because, like, Ishmael, he's basically successful in, in getting it at a certain point. And so, there ends up being this thing like they do in all movies where the anti-hero or the people who are at least like not really understanding full well what was going on had to like team up. So now at this point, Black Adam is um, is having a conversation now in Isis and them's crib. And because at this point, like they took the crown and then I think they ended up I think they ended up getting the, the boy as well, too, at a certain point. If I remember correctly, I think that's what happened. And, um, you know, at some point, um, he was talking to the Hawkman in, um, Isis's crib at a certain point that they ended up getting to it because they were fighting over like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
what alignment that they should be on because like Hawkman's thing was you can't be out here killing people if you want to do good and Black Adam's um, stance this whole time is I'm not like a hero so I mean if people gotta go you they just gotta go that, that basically is what he was saying in so many words so they got into a fight again this time Dr. Fate didn't really interfere he kind of just sat back and kind of just did his thing or whatever the case was and so um, you know at, at the end of that after Hawkman got his ass whooped again because I mean that that's shit was bad again black adam basically said that he was gonna kind of like you know do his thing or whatever you know whatever and so you know at some point isis got them to kind of like um i guess like have uh at least be like civil once again and that's when they try to do that team up where they all basically say, hey, we got to get that kid back. We got to get that crown back because, I mean, we're basically in trouble, you know. And so, um, you know, the reason why and I need to backpedal a little bit. The reason why that fight had happened a little bit earlier was because I think after the kid and the crown had got taken, I think that um, there were some soldiers that uh, like some of those like little like mercenary people I was telling you about that um, were with Ishmael. They had um, Black um, Adam had some of them because he was trying to hem them up to say, you know, what you do with the crown, what you do with the kid, you know, that type of thing, you know, and um, like they weren't cooperating. So Black Adam pretty much just killed them and uh, or was going to kill them. And Hawkman like went to basically try to, you know, like go and and save them so that they wouldn't die because Black Adam would just just threw their asses so that they could just die. And I just want to back up and say that. So that's why there was a conflict of like what, you know, everybody was basically trying to do. And so anyway, so, um, you know, they ended up basically being in um, Hawkman's ship and they ended up trying to devise a plan to go and try to get the boy and get the crown. And Isis had this big old pep talk where she told everybody that, you know, they had a common mission and they needed to work together and not have fights and all this other shit. And everybody pretty much agreed to a certain extent. Now, then there was a talk at some point and it was with um, Hawkman and it was Dr. Fate. And I think this was the second time they talked about it at this point, if I'm not mistaken. And they talked about Dr. Fate thing is like you know he can see what happens to people basically like he can see what happens in the future and he kept there they, there kept being this tease that someone was going to die and so at first you know um hawkman was like is it is it going to be adam smasher and then you know he was like uh dr fate was like no nah. and so then it was kind of they were alluding to the fact that it was going to be hawkman who was going to die and then they were showing a flashback that kind of made the image that he would die and so then hawkman was basically like you know i, I accepted my fate you know it is kind of what it is I'm here to basically, you know, seek justice and all this other stuff. So it was kind of like that type of thing. So at some point they devise this plan and they go to try to save the boy because Ishmael had, you know, him hostage. You know, I take this back. I kept saying that they had the boy and they had the crown. I was actually wrong about that. So please forgive me on that. They had the boy because Ishmael couldn't find the crown. That's what happened. So I was trying to recall the whole movie. So again, my apologies. So what happened was that scene going back where, um, you know, like he was running from Ishmael and them. He, he had hid at the point he had hid that crown basically. And Ishmael basically got a hold of him. This is when black, a black Adam was trying to stop, um, Ishmael and his mercenaries. But, um, but basically, like, they, he got a hold of the boy, but the boy didn't have the crown, so he was holding the boy hostage until they gave him the crown. So that's what I meant to say. So, so I just want to, I just wanted to correct that statement there. 
anyway, so at some point, um, you know, they end up kind of uh, approaching, um, you know, uh, uh, the Ishmael and his mercenaries, and, you know, that becomes a big old thing. And so, um, you know, they try to do this even exchange. Isis has the crown, and she's trying to give it to, um, you know, Ishmael because she don't want nothing to happen to the boy. And then um, while all this is going on, um, it gets shit gets real tense. And then Black Adam basically rushes in to try to stop Ishmael because he because Ishmael still tries to, you know, kill the boy in spite of all this stuff. So he it looks as though he like is blocking this bullet, but he does. So Black Adam does this thing where everything kind of explodes around them and it kind of puts the boy in danger and everybody else in danger. And they're under the impression that when this happens, that it's not Black Adam who did it. It was Ishmael, his people who kind of made everything explode, but it really was Black Adam. Adam who did it and so then you know it kind of cuts into this weird scene where black uh, everybody kind of disappears except black Adam and Hawkman and him and Hawkman are having a conversation um and that's when he basically tells uh Hawkman about like in, in so many words like the uh the past and so um he talks about like what really happened and he basically explains that um, you know, like how he wasn't really like the hero and all this other stuff and how, uh, back then what happened was his son actually was the person who saved him. Cause when his basically when his son had got that crown or whatever, had snatched that crown up, he basically had like these powers where he was able to disappear and all this other stuff. And so, um, they basically were on the hunt for his son who had disappeared when he had like got the crown. So what they did was they tortured his family back then the King did. And so then they killed his wife and then they tortured him and enslaved him and then what ended up happening was they ended up the boy ended up um like i guess showing back up to basically try and um you know save his father and ended up dying basically in the process of trying to you know like save him because i think they tried they killed him or something like that and so then um what ended up happening basically was um you know um Black, he, his son ended up giving him the powers of like where he could say Shazam basically and um, you know he could kind of turn into you know this big muscle bound dude like he was and so what ended up happening was um, excuse me what ended up happening was um, he wanted to basically get revenge on the king because of what the king had done to his family and so that's when he you know, did what he did, and that was kind of like the origin. So, really, the statue that had been built was not really built in honor of, you know, Black Adam per se, but it was in honor of really his son because his son had basically saved his life. You know, because he was a, you know, he it was a, he was about to, you know, get got to a certain extent, and then um, his son basically saved him. And so he basically was like kind of telling that that story, you know, and um, I think I forgot a part earlier, too. There was a part where he had talked about talked to um, ISIS as well. And uh, this remind me of this. So, again, I apologize. There's, there was a lot to this movie. So that's why I'm like kind of I'm remembering some things, but I'm also forgetting other things as well, too. But there was like a part where um, he had talked to ISIS as well, too. And he basically told ISIS like um, he had told ISIS uh, about how like he wasn't really a hero. 
And she had said something, there, there must be something heroic about you or something like that. Because, I mean, think about it. Like when, when the, we was in that tomb or we was in that, that the little temple thing, like you didn't even think twice um, about like who you were going to save and help. You instinctively came and you helped me and you helped and you helped the people who were like trying to, you know, get the crown and stuff like that, like her and her friends, basically. And so I just wanted to highlight that real quick and lift that up because, you know, um, that separates the conversation he had with Hawkman from the one he had with Isis when he was kind of like being, you know, kind of like having a deep conversation. Because at this point, I, at the second time, Isis had taken had basically taken off because Black Adam had shown her that, like, he was willing to put, you know, anybody in danger. And so she wasn't really trying to, you know, deal with him for real at that point. Or at least that was the kind of like the the kind of what, what it kind of seemed like. So. At some point, what ends up happening is um, when um, Black Adam basically tells Hawkman that he's basically going to surrender. And all he's going to do is um, once he says like the magic words, he can take him in. And then that's the end of it, because now the crown is back. Everything should be gravy, basically. And so um, what ends up happening is is um, like. Uh, there's this there's this um, scene where um, he you know he says Shazam and he turns into like this like weak looking dude like he looks like weak as hell like he was like the slave from back in the day and so they end up putting him in this tank where you know he has like a little breathing um, apparatus and he's basically like kind of um, caged up or or whatever and so what ends up happening is Ishmael ends up basically dying and he ends up going to hell. And they use um, Ishmael in, in Hale. He's kind of used as like this host to revive this villain called um, Sabak, who is supposed to be like this terrorizer. And so what ends up happening is as Sabak gets uh, gets revived, he basically storms back onto um, Earth, specifically Kondok, and he ends up... Uh, you know, terrorizing it to a certain extent because, you know, um, what we find out from Ishmael before his death is that the reason why Ishmael wanted the crown so damn badly and he wanted it to kind of activate something special is because what Kondok wanted to do, or not Kondok, what Ishmael wanted to do was Ishmael wanted to um, uh, basically rule because he wanted to pay homage to his descendants and conduct as well too so whereas isis and her people were descendants of like black adam and, and his family and people like that ishmael was descendants of that king who had um basically ruled to basically destroy or not destroy to basically kill black adam's family and basically colonize them so he was a descendant of that those people within Kondok. so from back in the day so he wanted to basically kind of like revive um that um lineage and so um they basically um he got reincarnated as a uh, Sabak back onto Earth, and he was like this big, gigantic red hell demon when he came back. And so, as so, so as this was going on, the Justice Society of America saw that he was about to like basically take over, um, 
you know, earth and try to destroy it, specifically Kondok first. And so everybody basically was running and screaming and all these like these people who had been killed by Black Adam. They have been revived as like these kind of weird zombie looking things. And they were trying to roam the um, the, the the country. And so then as this was going on, uh, the, the brother with the bad knee who had basically kind of re somewhat recovered from that gunshot from Ishmael and there's all the other citizens in conduct was basically giving the hands to all of these like undead folks that were walking around and shit. Meanwhile, Sabak was about to fight, um, you know, just society of America. And at first they were kind of winning at first, but what ended up happening was, um, you know, they started losing at a certain point and Dr. Fate knew that he had to do something about it. So what he did was Dr. Fate when, when, um, uh, uh Sabak was trying to basically sit on this throne because there was this throne that was known in conduct where if somebody sat on it, they were basically going to be held as the ultimate leader or the ultimate ruler. As long as, you know, they had the crown, all this other shit basically. And so what ended up happening was, um, but they were able to activate the crown that is, and so what ended up happening was, um, uh, um, I'm trying to remember what ended up happening was Dr. Fate, like had created a barrier before they were about to go to try to stop Sabak after they had lost, like, you know, the fight against them after Cyclone, um, uh, what's his face, Hawkman and, and Adam Smasher had lost, uh, you know, against them. And he created a barrier that they couldn't get through. And so then Hawkman is like, what are you doing? And so then Dr. Fate was like, well, you know, I feel like I can't, I can change a fate. You know, I, I looked at my own fate and I saw that there wasn't really too much of anything there. So it's time for me to be able to change things up. So at this point, Hawkman knew that Dr. Fate was going to sacrifice himself in order for Hawkman to be able to live and to be able to thrive and be able to do his thing. And Hawkman was trying to stop him. He was trying to dramatically stop him and break down the barrier. But, you know, um, Dr. Fate didn't want that. So long story short, Dr. Fate gets into this fight with Sabak and he loses. Like he, he puts, he puts up quite a fight, but he ends up losing basically. And he basically ends up getting killed by Sabak. Sabak sits on the throne. And he becomes this almighty, powerful ass demon basically. And so what ends up happening is, um, and, uh, this is before Dr. Fate had died. Before Doctor, this is like right before he had died. Right before he had died, Doctor Fate had basically um, tried to try to find a way to resurrect and like uh, not resurrect, but try to help revive um, Black Adam. Although you know he was in that chamber, and he gave him the power so that he'd be able to break out in, in so many in so many words. And so what ended up happening was. Um, he was able to get out of the chain. He was able to wake up and get out of that chamber that he had put himself in. Black Adam did. And when he got out, you know, there were these guards who were basically guarding the chamber. And he was and although he was just like a feeble slave at this point, or he had that feeble slave image and ability. He was beating the hell out of these like these people who were uh, basically uh, watching him while he was in the tank. And so then when he finally like was able to knock all the asses out, he basically said at some point Shazam and he ended up turning back into Black Adam. And that's when he came to basically have he he uh he went over to where like Sabak was at and he went to go try to have a fight with Sabak. So 
at this point, Hawkman had obviously gone beyond the barrier because fate was dead. And that's when, you know, he said, basically, he said, man, he said, I never thought I would be good, uh, happy to see you. And so Black Adam basically was fighting Sabak. And so many words, Black, um, Black Adam ended up basically beating Sabak. But it was with the help of Hawkman because there was this part where um uh, th th well let me back up a little bit dr fate had this ability where he could turn him he could like copy his um his body like like into different like into multiple like fates and so hawkman i guess learned that trick from him and there was this part where um sabak had stabbed hawkman we thought that he had killed hawkman anyway as like dr fate had predicted but what it really was was a clone image because doc because hawkman had learned that trick and how to like create an illusion just like dr fate was and he came from behind sabak and he had attacked him and he said yeah i learned that from an old friend and at the end basically black adam had finished his ass off and sabak was basically uh like a rap so at the very very end um you know they, they they're like they kind of like kind of went their separate ways kind of it made as much peace with each other as they could talking about black adam hawkman and the rest of the jsa that was still alive at this point they kind of made their peace it was kind of like a you know it was like a you know we good but i'll be watching you type of thing and then at some point um, at the end, you know, they had the scene where, uh, I guess like ISIS was there and, you know, the kid was there. Cause at this point they were glad that black Adam was back because they needed a champion who was going to be able to take out Sabak and they were happy as shit. So they were like, you know, basically what is he going to do? So he goes and black Adam goes to sit on the throne and he does that classic pose that black Adam does, you know, every time he sits on his throne that we know from the comics. And at the very end, what he did was he sat there for a minute and he thought about it. Then he flew up and then he destroyed the throne. And he basically came back down and said, like, uh, you know, uh, he said, I'm not trying to be a leader. He said, Kondok already has leaders and that's in y'all and all this other stuff. So, yeah, that was basically the gist of the movie. There was, more, there was a cut scene as well, too, with him and Superman and Superman claiming that, you know, he caught he, he caught a lot of attention and all this other stuff. He caught his attention and um, and, you know, it just showed that Superman was going to be returning. And we saw an interaction between him and Black Adam. And, and the reason why that had been a thing is because Amanda Waller initially had like contacted Black Adam and said, like, you know, he caught her attention as well, too, because he saw she saw that what he what he had been doing basically and that's what superman had appeared so there was also that but anyway that's basically what happened now let's talk about the pros and the cons of this movie y'all let's start with the pros just because we i want to i want to start off on a more positive note so the first thing that i noticed about this movie is that it had very few tropes there may have been maybe two, and they weren't really even all that in your face like that, like tropes usually are. Matter of fact, the only two tropes that I did see was I saw a little white saviorism because I saw some issues with, um, you know, Dr. Fate, who was white a white man being like this mentor for this black man and hawk man almost like a kind of like a, a guide and he was the only reason why he was able to succeed and then the only other trope that i saw was some um i saw some uh, um some carbon copy isms in there as well too because cyclone i don't believe was originally a black woman i think she was a white woman and now they had her as a black woman but that's it but nobody really knew cyclone so it didn't really seem very it didn't seem very obvious that this was a carbon copy although it was and then the white saviorism thing and dr fate uh was kind of overshadowed by the fact that the actor did a 
phenomenal job on portraying that character. And that brings me to my second point, which is that the actor for Dr. Fate did an incredible job on that character. I mean, I was so impressed by his acting job not even just because you know he did a sacrifice and that was a big deal but because i think the actor really um you know bodied that character and he basically like had a lot of fun with it and you know a lot of people they um wanted this actor and uh, um and um i and uh like they really wanted this actor to play this character um and dr fate and so i think that a lot of people like were happy that he was casted as um as as like the the dr fate character so um i i personally would agree though with people they, it was uh the guy's name is pierce uh um, brosnan he was the person who played dr fate a lot of people were happy that he was casted as him and i i would agree that he did a phenomenal job there now, um, I liked Aldous Hodge's character, Hawkman. I thought he did an excellent job. That brother was really like pristine in the way that he um, executed that character. I, and like again, like there were a lot of positive images, and that and um, you know with with him, you know with his character, and then with the other like characters as well too, who are black in this in this movie as well too. So I liked his character. I liked the fact that he was portrayed as this brother who was. Um, he was wealthy, you know, he lived in this mansion, you know, he was intelligent, you know, he was a decent fighter. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he got his ass whooped, he got his ass whooped. And I'm like, y'all, he was getting his ass whooped by Black Adam. Black Adam was the star. Y'all would have been pissed if he was whooping Black Adam's ass and this was, and this is Black Adam's movie. So anyway, his character was very interesting and it would be cool to see who they have as his Hulk girl and it would be cool to see what they do with him. So for me, what I'm hoping for is that they actually add like some type of spin off or something where I'm able to kind of see more with his character. I liked Cyclone as well, too. And let me tell you what I liked about her. Everything I liked what had nothing to do with necessarily with like, you know, who the character was per se, but kind of like everything, you know, uh, around her being a, a, a sister or them creating her as a sister. I like that she was feminine. They didn't try to make her like mass a masculine or burly or anything like that i thought they were going to kind of push her into a love angle with adam smasher but they didn't end up doing that and i'm glad they didn't end up doing that so there was no like like kind of like swirling that they were trying to like little agenda they were trying to do i like the fact that they kept her an authentic like girly feminine black woman who had cool powers like her cyclone abilities are really cool and like the cinematics that were created around that were very very cool i think between her and the cinematics they created around uh dr fate's character were probably some of the best in this actual movie like when she used her cyclone powers and when he would use his kind of dr strange-esque type of ability next thing that i really liked i thought that the rock was the perfect person to play black adam and let me just say this too before black adam came out i even told my wife before this was even teased i said you know i think that the rock dwayne johnson will be the perfect person to play black adam because he looks just like him like same build same skin tone he could even body the demeanor. All you got to do is give this dude some pointed ears and he looks just like him. And mind you, in the movie, they didn't give him pointed ears. Now, some people may be upset about that. Me personally, I didn't care. It would have been interesting if they did, but I, I didn't really care. But anyway, he was the perfect person. He really bodied this character. And it wasn't like a lot of people's complaints about uh, The Rock's 
acting is that he's the same actor in every single movie that he does. In this movie, I felt like he really just embodied Black Adam in a way that I appreciated. I thought that he did a great job. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Um, and I, and that, like I said, he looked the part. Like I feel like he was really made for that role. And I only feel like there were a couple actors who were made for the role of certain comic characters. And the ones that come to mind for me are, um, for example, Heath Ledger when he played the Joker. He was perfect for that role. Uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Perfect for that role. My, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Perfect for that role. Who else is perfect? Um, Grant Gustin as Flash. Perfect for that role. Like, there, there's a lot of them, but I'm just telling you, like, he's somebody who I feel like is, is probably going to be one of the most perfect actors for this comic role. The action was phenomenal in this movie. That was another pro. I mean, like, it was Black Adam just whooping ass 24-7. He was beating the hell out of the mercenaries, beating the hell out of the Justice Society of America, beating the hell out of Sabak. Like, like he just looked so dominant, and the action was just, just so well executed the entire movie. Like, it was nothing but nonstop ass whooping and like like I said and people died and it wasn't like a thing where they were trying to make it like real PG or anything like that like he they actually made it like kind of normalized that he was this anti-hero that wasn't above like just killing somebody to end them if he had to I love how they played that they like they did to me that was very cohesive and it was a way to create an anti-hero character without this feeling of almost like putting them in that role too fast because that was one of my fears about this movie my fear about this movie was the same fear that i had about like the venom movie which was i wish that we could see this character in a villain role and have them progress into somewhat of an anti-hero and i felt like them just immediately making them a protagonist would initially kind of create this heroic like what's the word i'm looking for this heroic tone i guess and that was one of my fears for black adam is that they would make him too heroic by making him the star and they it wasn't like that i mean like yeah he did some heroic things but for the most part he wasn't he was like this anti-hero who was just doing what he felt like he had to do and he needed to do and they they really were good about being consistent about how they portrayed that in my opinion like I said, the guy who played Dr. Fate did a phenomenal job, but what I really liked about his character, and this is the thing that people aren't really going to talk about, is I like the fact that he almost felt like a refined and better version of like Doctor Strange. And see, a lot of people would already assume like, oh, Doctor Strange, obviously, he's like the better of the two wizards. But I felt like Dr. Fate was the better wizard and I felt like the way that they kind of portrayed his powers and made them seem and the things he was able to do, it just felt like he, he was able to do so much more and it just overall kind of looked better. It looked like he just had more control and he just, I don't know, I, I just felt like they, they really did a good job with that. Um, another thing too is that I thought was good was I thought the twist with Ishmael was, was pretty interesting as well. The fact that he was a descendant of the king was really interesting. It's like it's like he's a he's he's all about conduct, just like Isis was, just like her brother was, just like the kid was, and all this other stuff. But he was on like the dark side of that. I thought that was really cool. And see, I didn't know that they were going to kind of go in that direction at first. Now, as the movie kind of progressed, I kind of figured that they were going to kind of 
explain what his allegiance was to having that crown. But I wasn't sure necessarily how they were going to explain it, but I knew it had something to do with something from back in the day. But um, the way that they twisted it up, I thought was very interesting and well executed. The, this this is another thing that I thought was positive, and this is something that I think that people aren't necessarily going to notice. Adam Smasher, the only other white dude outside of Fate who was part of the Justice Society of America, he was the comic relief. Now, some people are listening to this and they're saying, okay, what does that have to do with anything? Let me explain why I think this is a positive. Most shows or movies where they try to exploit or portray some form of diversity, what they try to do is they make the black person comic relief. They make them the sidekick who's kind of goofy, who's not necessarily as, uh, you know, strong, powerful, or taken seriously as the main character, is usually the person who makes everybody laugh. And this was one of those movies where the white dude was doing that. Not necessarily a black dude who wasn't being taken seriously. I appreciated that because there's so many flicks out there where the black person is the sidekick. It's like a cut and paste template. Like, think about it. You see these shows all the time. It's like a almost like a teenage superhero show. The main character is white. It's usually a white boy or a white girl. Most of the time it's a white girl. They have a sidekick and usually the sidekick is black and it's, e it's either a man or a woman and usually they're kind of like me usually they're they're like a nerd or something like that or usually like they're a psychic or they ha don't have powers so they're essentially like not as like powerful as like the main hero is and we saw we see a lot of examples of something kind of similar but it's kind of twisted around so not necessarily like the high school teenager example but they're similar things like for example arrow you had oliver right and then you had joe who was like his dad joe was a police officer or, no, I'm sorry. Oliver and Diggle. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm getting him mixed up with Flash. You had Oliver, and then you had Diggle. Oliver was able to, you know, shoot arrows, and Diggle had some of those same abilities, too, but he was nowhere near as strong as Oliver was. Matter of fact, he wasn't even a character that was really even focused on like that for real before seeing the show Arrow. Then you had Flash, because you had Barry, and then you had Joe. Joe was Barry's daddy, and uh, or his, his play dad, basically, and, and again, um, just like Oliver, who was a white dude, and Diggle, who was a black dude, Barry was a white dude who had super speed, and Joe, his dad was, or adopted dad or whatever, was a black dude, and he was a police officer, and he, um, what's the word I'm looking for, was like Barry's kind of psychic, but he didn't really have powers, and then think about like, uh, even like some of the Marvel movies, think about Iron Man, you had War Machine, he was like a great value version of Tony Stark. And then you had um, Falcon and you had Captain America. Think about it. Sam Wilson was basically like a great value as Falcon was a great value version of, you know, Steve Rogers. Now, those characters weren't aren't necessarily all goofy. The black characters I'm talking about, some of them were actually rather serious, but they always were like second fiddle. The point I'm trying to make, and the reason why I'm relating it to this is because this was that movie where they had a comic relief character and they didn't make it the black person. And I love that. That that was great to me. Like, that is, I can't believe where I'm at the point where I'm saying that was a positive. This should be a norm, but it was a positive at this point because of everything that I typically see. 
Another thing I liked is this movie had humor, but it wasn't overly corny, like a lot of Marvel movies. A lot of Marvel movies are, their jokes are kind of like over the top corny, and sometimes they're not even funny. It's just like they're just making an extra attempt to try to be humorous in every single thing that they do. And this movie had jokes, but it wasn't like over the top. And I did really appreciate that, like, you know, appreciated that there was like still like that serious tone to it. And then like they were able to make jokes that were actually funny, but it wasn't like too much for you. Another positive that a lot of people aren't going to catch, and this is one of the things that really, really, really just did it for me with the movie. Like, like just was good in my eyes, great in my eyes even. The messaging was very powerful in this movie. And I'm going to break it down for you. In the very beginning, think about it. You had these um, worker slaves I talked about, worker slash slaves, and they were working on these, um, they were basically chipping away at these rocks to try to find this crown. So they almost, in a way, represented black slaves, right? Trying to look for something, some type of treasure. And it was, if you look at like the, 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 the worker slaves who were working, they all looked like they were melanated. Whether they kind of dressed them up or darkened them up or whatever the case was, I'm not going to speak on that per se and because I'm just talking about the symbolism of it all. They appeared to be very melanated. They appeared like, you know, they had darker skin, kind of like the Egyptians did. And so they were working to try to find this artifact for a king. You know, and so that they could be rewarded in the process. It's almost as if it showed that that uh, situation back in the day where blacks were enslaved by the white or pale looking Arabs. Because if you look at the way the king looked, he didn't look like he was a brother. He looked like he kind of resembled that of like a pale Arab. Like even when you looked at the image of him in this movie. So I like how it kind of foreshadowed the issue of how Kemet, you know, like like Kemet from back in the day that that we all know of, be, turned into Egypt and became Egypt. And how like it once was a land that was filled with melanated brothers and sisters is now this place that is filled with kind of pale looking Arabs. It almost kind of showed that kind of line between where you had these blacks at this point that were enslaved in this kind of Kemet-esque looking place by these white Arabs that were looking for these resources in this place where black folks had thrived at this point. So I kind of like that imagery and that's what it showed in the beginning. But not only did it just show that imagery, it also showed the power of being a black person who comes into contact with something that may have been powered by their gods. Think about it. That crown had some powerful symbolism that like as if it was powered by, you know, some type of God. And if you if you think about it, all of the gods that we know today, even like the Greek ones and the Norse ones, they were originated and stolen and crafted based on the Egyptian gods and other African gods that were made back in the day. So this movie is symbolic to that because it shows how melanated individuals, black folks, are trying to go after artifacts that are going to power them, you know, and are going to um, that are basically a gift from their ancestors, like a gift from their gods or the gods who they, you know, tend to worship. And so showing black Adam and his family and them kind of being in that position where they're able to activate the powers of the gods that they, you know, worshipped 
was very interesting because they were literally portraying as if these were black folks who were coming into the power, the powers that have always been bestowed upon them because of, you know, the gods that they worshipped. I thought that was really, really interesting because it's interesting how, you know, The Rock, like I said, is a black man. And I get it. Some of y'all are listening to this and y'all are like, man, The Rock, like, doesn't really, like, represent um, black folks because a lot of times they exoticize him. And I would agree with that statement. They do. A lot of times they tap into his Samoan heritage. So they don't really necessarily look at, like, the, the black side of him. So I, I would agree with that statement. But I would also kind of raise you up by saying this. A lot of people um, in ancient Kemet, and um, again, I, I've, I've said this before. Shout out to um, Kevin Daniel. He um, He's like a follower of mine on Instagram. He's at the Instagram name KG Bethlehem. The reason why I wanted to bring him up is because of the fact that he raised a good point. And this is not something I, I disagreed with at the time, but it's just something that I um, probably should have picked up on at the time when I was making this Instagram post. But um, basically, he said that there were like, you know, light skin and dark skin brothers in Kemet, you know, back in the day is what is what he was basically saying in so many words. And if you look at the rock, he is a, he is a very like, you know, light skinned brother. And, you know, some of that is attributed to the fact that part of his heritage is Samoan. But I guess I say that to say that because of the fact that he's still a brother and he's light skinned, he fits the bill because there were a lot of light skinned black folks who were in Kemet. So he's representing the black or the melanated person in that this portion of the movie, him and his son, because I think the person who played his son also was is partially black as well, too. So um, I I said to myself, they, they actually have black people representing these kind of um, these roles, like almost as if like to mimic or um, I guess like portray, you know, melanated people in Kemet from back in the day and kind of what they, you know, would have went through. So I, I I thought that that was very interesting. I also like the idea, like the scene where he got out of that tank where he was, um, he had like the breathing, breathing apparatus when he was submerged in the water after he had basically turned himself in as if he was trying to, it almost portrayed the scene of he, there were these colonizers who were trying to keep him captive and he broke free of his chains and he broke free as if he was a slave who fought back. I love that concept. They didn't make a trauma saucy, but at the same time, they made him seem like he was powerful. It's almost as if he didn't really even even need his uh, uh, his Black Adam abilities to be able to go around and whoop ass. He just had the the fighting spirit of the um, the king within him, and he was beating down these soldiers that were trying to keep, or these uh, these soldiers or guards that were trying to keep him down after he had broke out of the machine because he wanted to fight to help his people. I love that. I thought that that was incredible. I thought that was a very that was very incredible imagery because it showed the power of melanated people and fighting back when they're colonized. Think about it. It kind of reminds me of like the situation with um, Haiti, for example. Haiti is 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 a is a situation. The, the the Haiti slavery thing is something that needs to be lifted up all the time because it was one of the first instances where um, a bunch of black folks just broke off in the asses of some white folks that were trying to colonize them. 
Haiti basically had uh, that type of situation where they fought back and they won and people don't really lift that up for real and I feel like this movie almost kind of showed something like that in just that scene alone like watching him this man who was like he's basically a one man army take down these people who had guns and were heavily armed and heavily suited and he was just beating the hell out of them and all and he was chained up he wasn't super buff anymore he was out there just whooping ass and I loved it I loved every second of it because it reminded me of that it reminded me of these Haitians these these people all they had was some damn voodoo and they was whooping ass of these white folks who were sitting there trying to colonize them I thought that was I thought that was that was great but let me tell you the thing I really 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 loved at the end of this movie I loved when he destroyed that seat that he sat in like first of all I loved when he did the pose don't get me wrong but I really really loved when he destroyed that seat and I'm going to tell you why I love that. I love that scene because he said something that I think is a very important message for black folks. One thing that we really need to take heed to and we really need to listen to is something that I believe. And I've said multiple times on multiple occasions. One thing that Black Adam said after that was, you, and, and I'm paraphrasing to a certain extent. But what he said was, you all don't need me as a leader or need a leader. You are leaders within yourself. I love that, y'all. I loved the hell out of that shit. And let me tell you why I love that. I love that because that is a very, very important message for black folks, especially today. Black folks notoriously have always asked who is going to be our leader, who are our leaders, etc., etc., all this other shit. And, you know, they look at the likes of Martin Luther King. They look at the likes of Malcolm X. They look at the likes of people like that. Right. But what happens with us is that we latch on to a leader and we get all of our leaders killed because we don't protect them. And the reason why is because the spirit of the leader has not really been within us. But if the spirit of the leader was within us, we could all be our own leaders in our own way. And we could have an effective community that makes change and makes power moves. And because we can get a lot done despite all the things that have happened to us. And I think that that was the message that they were trying to say in Black Adam. They're trying to say that you know, as a unified people. And mind you, I'm not even that big on unity per se, but I love this idea of basically saying black folks, he didn't see that he didn't say black folks, but I'm saying like this is a good message for black folks. Black folks, be your own leader. Don't necessarily look for anybody to just be the single leader who changes everything for your people. Be your own individual leader and do your part. And I love that because that would benefit black folks so much today and they don't even know we our people don't even know how important that message is i love that love that love that i thought that was great i really did and the thing was is again it wasn't like they were trying to preach too much or they um, came off like they were trying to make these like almost kind of quote-unquote woke messages it's just something that kind of was thrown in there that unless like you really really look deep you didn't really get to see how important that would be to a society of people and knowing that this had roots in conduct which kind of is similar to like a kemet because really that's what conduct was Com conduct was a kemet before it was about to be gentrified that's really what it was it showed the the message there now mind you i wasn't really necessarily with the whole idea of these are now white arabs who are walking around who are collecting this message but i think this could be an important message for black folks and i think this is a good takeaway so that's what i really appreciated about that
Now let me talk about the cons with y'all, because those were all the pros. The first con that I had was that Isis to me was somewhat irritating. I feel like they should have done less scenes with her being preachy and maybe even less son, less scenes with her son in it as well too. I feel like she did a lot of mediating and a lot of let's come together, let's have a talk, like she was everybody's mama. Now, to me, I would have liked to have seen her maybe in a role where she was more of a, they were kind of cra- uh, kind of crafting her into a love interest for Black Adam. And mind you, they may do that in the future if they make another Black Adam movie. I don't really know. But they kind of just made her everybody's mama. And she kind of like got on my nerves with that. Like I think that for a character like Isis, I would have liked to have seen her in a more of a, a power type of role. And I mean like I wasn't mad at the actress necessarily. Now it would have been obviously nice if the actress was a melanated sister, but I mean like even if that was the actress that they were going to choose to go with to, you know, uh play um Isis I think that, um, you know, they could have just went about that a little bit differently in the movie, like in a way where I felt like could have been like far more effective. Because, like I said, I think that the um, the actress they got to play to play um, Isis, I mean, she's pretty, but again, she was almost like the the kind of like the nagging mother who wanted, who basically said, uh, 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 you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have fought because you don't know what he's trying to do. Maybe you all should talk, talk it out because that's the way that we should all handle it. And we all should come together and we all should, uh, hold hands because that's just the proper way to do it. It's like she was wagging the finger at everybody. And I thought that was a little frustrating. I think the tone of the movie also was a little bit unclear. Like you had your moments where it was very serious and you had your moments where it was like there were jokes here and there. And I thought that was a little inconsistent. Now, mind you, I thought that the joking was fine. And I thought that there are parts of it that were funny. Even I thought that the serious tone was fine. And I took that very seriously. But I think that it just struggled a little bit with trying to fit, to try to be consistent with the overall tone of the movie. Because sometimes it was kind of weaving in and out of it. Now, this is a this is a minor complaint. This is not something that I think was a serious problem. But it's something that I just noticed. I, I felt like it struggled a little bit with that consistency. I can't really put my finger on what it was. But it just felt like there, were like, there was like a mix of tones. And... It didn't really know what it really truly wanted to be. Now, I'm not saying that it was a total humor movie because really the only bouts of humor were like Adam Smasher as a character. And then um, the times where, uh, you know, they uh, like Dr. Fate was sitting back and watching Hawkman and, and Black Adam fight and go back and forth and bicker. And they were talking about they were making jokes about sarcasm and all this other shit. So that those are only times like humor was really there. But I felt like it kind of. It just they just struggle with the consistency in my opinion a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't again it wasn't a big thing, but there was a little consistency struggle. The third thing I didn't like, and I think this might have been the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest, is the villain wasn't strong. Yes, I liked Ishmael's twist, but I thought that he wasn't really a strong villain. I thought that he was forgettable. I thought that they could have explained a little bit more about the backstory of how he was cool with Isis and the boy and the brother and all this other stuff. But they didn't really go into that. They just went right into the fact that he turned on them and that he was trying to and he basically was a descendant of the king. But they didn't really explain like how he got close to them or also they didn't build up on that too much, in my opinion. I think they could have done a better job there. 
the next thing that I thought was bad was the Justice Society of, of America thing was like the cast who, who played them. They seemed just thrown together. They, they really didn't seem like there was a rhyme or reason behind why they put these specific people in a group. Like, why Cyclone? Why Adam Smasher? Why Dr. Fate? Why, why all these people just randomly kind of thrown together in a team? It didn't really make sense. Now, all they did is expl- it was explain like how their powers could p- potentially be beneficial to neutralizing Black Adam, but they didn't really explain like the origins of how these people met. Like, how did, how did Hawkman meet these people? How did um, or what was the? Well, I'm sorry. Let me let me go back. I said that they um, they they showed how he could neutralize Black Adam. How these characters could neutralize Black Adam. I take that back. They didn't really show that. What they did was they kind of showed what their powers were, but they didn't explain how they could have neutralized Black Adam. So that to me wasn't really that great. I thought they could have just done that a lot better. Um, in my in my personal opinion. I thought that Dr. Fate, although he was incredible, I think that Dr. Fate, because of what his powers are, should be black. And that's, again, a a gripe that I think some people might disagree with because the actor did such a good role. And I'm not denying that he did. I just think that, like, if we're talking about, like, cultural accuracy, I think that he should have been a brother. I mean, he has a um, a power, I believe, called Eye of Horus, especially if you play... um, the Injustice game, he uses that power. And if you think about Eye of Horus, that goes right back to ancient Kemet and some of the symbolism there. And that goes right back to that cultural appropriation thing that I've talked about in the past. This idea of taking black characters or black gods and or African gods and turning them, whitewashing them, turning them into comic characters and throwing them back to people. That's kind of what they did in the Dr. Fate character. And they kind of carry that on by not making him black. And I think there's a lot of brothers they could have actually got to play the Dr. Fate character. And they did it. So to me, that was kind of a negative. Now, they kind of beefed it up and they made, you know, up for it a little bit by him being a good actor. And for everybody being happy that, you know, he was the actor who played it played the character which i agree he did a good job but i think he should just been black from the get-go because there's a lot of brothers who could have really bodied that that role the last thing that i would say is negative this is more of a neutral than a negative and notice all my cons are kind of like low level cons outside of like the villain thing and, and whatnot but in some parts it was a little predictable I kind of knew what was going to happen. I knew Aldous Hodge's character, the Hawkman, wasn't going to die. I knew that Dr. Fate might die. I kind of had that feeling midway through the movie because I'm like, there's no way they're going to just kill this brother off because they keep talking about him and his death. I, it just, There's no way they're just going to keep that going unless they want to be like uber, uber predictable. But even by switching it up, it then still became predictable because we knew that they were going to switch it up because of how many times they talked about Hawkman dying possibly and showing these images and all this other shit so I just knew that wasn't going to happen or something was going to go awry or something was going to go different that part was predictable so I I thought that that was that could be a good thing in some instances that could be a bad thing but it's just something that I just wanted to lift up and highlight was a thing that's I guess all I'm saying that was the gist of it Anyway, y'all, those are my pros. Those are my cons. That was the movie. That's what I thought about it. If I had to give it a rating right now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give it about an 8.6 out of 10. Now, that sounds high, 
But really, to be honest, all of my cons were pretty nitpicky. They're nitpicky cons. They weren't big time cons outside of the villain not being strong. And for that, I'm going to have to give it a pretty high rating because the messaging, the symbolism, and even, you know, the way that the movie was structured was just a positive for it, especially for it to be a DC movie. And I can't do nothing but be happy about the way that they portrayed the character and the way that they went about creating the movie. I really thought that this was a comeback. I'm going to be honest with you. This was like Chris Brown in 2010 when he made In My Zone. You know, he had the whole situation where dude had um, had to, had beat Rihanna and all this other stuff. And then nobody was thinking about him because, you know, they were thinking he was, you know, good boy Chris who had songs like Run It and, and Poppin' and shit like that. And he came back with this In My Zone. And everybody was like, damn, Chris Brown came back with that fire. That shit was fire. So that's why I say, like, this, this, he, this movie was kind of like Chris Brown in 2010 it was the movie that dc needed to feel refreshed and it executed that in a way that was impressive so i, I like i said i'm going to go with 8.6 i'm going to give it the same rating that i gave dr strange with that said we still got to see black panther forever wakanda forever if that movie is better than this movie which I'm going to be honest with the things I've been seeing right now. I doubt it because I have mixed feelings already. This movie might possibly be the best movie of 2022. As of right now, though, for the year, I would say it's the best. I would as of right now. Now, again, we'll see. You know, we'll see what they do with um, Black Panther. But. This is a movie that I was excited for, and it delivered, and I haven't got that in a pretty long time, so I'm going to rate it high because of that. Anyway, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys got a good review and kind of heard my thoughts and whatnot on how I felt about this movie. I hope you guys got a chance to really see it yourself, get your own impressions, get your own thoughts and whatnot, and maybe even like learn something from like hearing my perspective as well, too. Anyway, I hope y'all have a good rest of y'all's night. I'm about to turn in and, you know, do it. We'll do a couple things and then turn in for the for the night and, you know, kind of go about my merry way. And I will make sure I talk to y'all later. Peace.